Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Okay, uh, so tonight I need five volunteers. I need five volunteers. Okay, I see one, two, three. Now we'll go to this side. Four. I need one more from this side. Five. Okay, so all five, bring your Bible and come sit up on stage, please. Love your encouragement. Love your... So this is going to be a weird night. Y'all are going to think it's cheesy. I don't care. If you think it's cheesy, it's still cool. Um, so make sure you have a sheet, uh, a sermon note sheet, right from the table. Yeah, right from the table, you can grab one of those sermon note sheets. Um, did y'all know the queen passed away? <laughs> in case you didn't know, I just, I mean, I don't know, in case you didn't know. <laughs> uh, so I found it very interesting, uh, very interesting, a couple different things. Uh, but to keep it short, what I'll say is the other day I was had, had to do some driving and so I was listening and every news outlet I turned my station to had the same thing on it. Can anybody guess what it was? The Queen's funeral. The playing, you know, the her, I, I guess from different things, it was at different time periods throughout this trip I, I was doing. And so... I was blown away and I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking something and, and not to be too spiritual and not to be too goofy and not to be too whatever. And we're going to pray in a second to get started. But, but the, the thing was, I've been sensing anyways with a number of different things happening, like in, in, in my sphere and, and realm, I've just watched a number of different things all happening, like in the same time frame that would fall into the category of a transition and a mantle passing. Like a patriarch of the family dying and passing on to somebody else. I've just seen that happening. And every time I've seen it, I've just sensed a little nudge by, by the Spirit of God, just like take note, take note, take note. And then the queen. So I don't know exactly what it means, but I think there is a transition happening for some and I think there's you know I think there's um I don't I don't even know how to put the right words to it but a transition of like what so a shift and like someone would call like a mantle passing or like uh say that again a changing of the guard like like that would be true but this this shift that it, and I think when, when something happens at one level, it happens in multiple levels. And, and so just I've been recognizing that and seeing that and speaking to different people. So what that so here's what I would say practically. I don't know how to put it all into words, and, and I don't want to just keep talking because we've established I'm a talker and I'll just keep talking. That that you can transition to another level if you want to. And the way to do it is to really understand. Um, and honor the proven leadership and proven uh, life of somebody who's gone before you. And uh, 
I don't know. I just see it happening. So then I'm listening to all the stuff throughout the day as I was driving and listening to different aspects and, and thinking, okay, the, the queen's funeral was going to be very, you know, a lot of pageantry and whatever. And I, you know, of course it's radio, I'm not seeing it, but all through this, the first song that I heard, the first song that I heard, and I barely could make it out because they sing very loud like that, but I could barely make out what it was. But does anybody remember what the first psalm was? The first song that they, it was Psalm 23. And I was just like, hmm. And then they started going through. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to read the scriptures. So it's a cheesy title, what the Bible said at the queen's funeral. Every news outlet aired this. And I thought, golly, and so much division and so much, so much division and, and, and contention in our world through the news media that here they're all saying and promoting the same thing. And it's all about a queen. And guys, in a sense, I know it's a little bit cheesy, but in a sense, we're queens and we're really kings you know, in, in, but we're the bride of Christ and I don't want to get too cheesy with it and stuff, but it's, it's just, uh, and if you ever watch the crown, by the way, there's so many kingdom parallels in it. It's not even funny. And so I want you to read, hear the scriptures tonight. So these are our five readers. I'll let you guys look at the sheet and pick which verse you want to read on the, the flip side of the sheet. <laughs> yeah, you have to be literate. Um, uh, and so I want you to know that, that the word of God went out through all these airways around the world at the funeral of the queen. And here was the thing that I was, well, I'll, I'll wait for the last, last kicker and point to the end. But I want us to read these scriptures. So the first one's going to be Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 17. So who wants to be my Ecclesiastes reader? Okay, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 17. Oh, I forgot to tell you, you have to read it in a British accent. <laughs> okay, you have to read it in a British accent. And, and, and as we read, I want you to take this in, knowing that the Holy Spirit is speaking something, because this word, the word of God in this capacity, went around the world. around the world on the backdrop of the integrity of the queen. And we all know her family's crazy, but she was great. And so a life that backed it up. Okay? So, Father, help us in Jesus' name to hear. Help us to receive. Help us to understand what you are saying and what you are doing by your word that we will properly steward whatever shift and transition you have in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't want you to read fast. I want you to just read, okay? Yes. Oh, the British accent? Yes! Yes! Okay. So I say that I can, but Sam says mine's terrible, so the, the he says that I can. The chapter of the uh, book and chapter. Um, this is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 17. 
This one actually yeah. a bird song. They're the season to everything. Turn, turn, turn. So I can sing it instead of the British accent. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden of, that God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken from it. God does that so men will revere him. What is, whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring judgment, both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. Thank you so much. As we read, let this stuff sink in. This is incredible scripture that I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to transitions and shifts around the world. Kingdom transitions and kingdom shifts around the world. And if we don't have ears to hear, we think it's just some social thing about the queen. We don't realize what God's doing. Okay, so the next one, Isaiah 61. Who wants that one? No, this is too short a one. You need a longer one. Who wants a short one? Anybody want a short one? You'll do a short one? Because I want that British voice to kick in. <laughs> so tell them which... which uh, okay, so we're reading Isaiah 61, uh, verses 1 through 3. All right, is that enough seconds? <laughs> the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty, instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, 
and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And the rest of that chapter is incredible. And does anybody know where this, this scripture also shows up in the Bible? Yep, when Jesus is quoting from this about his ministry, about his ministry, Luke 4, 18 is where you see it. When he's in his hometown synagogue kind of declaring his life's message and purpose, this is what he's quoting from. So the thing you need to realize, if this was Christ's purpose, and he's saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, meaning him, and then Christ is in us because we're believers in Christ. That means what's true of Jesus is true of Christ in us. And so we have the right to say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for the same purpose. That make sense? Just really, really cool. So John chapter 14. Okay. My accent's a little British, Australian, and a little Chinese in there too. <laughs> Y'all can be the judge. You don't have to read it in the accent. Okay, good, good, good. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. John 14, 1 through 6. Okay. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That was just proclaimed on all national media outlets. Is that not the coolest thing ever? Oh, my goodness. Okay, Romans 8, 28 through 39. Who wants to read that one? We got, we got the two ends left. Okay, Dean, you got this one. Romans 8, 28 to 39. Let me get there. Okay. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to, to him. And having called them... He gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself who then will condemn us no one for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised 
to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor of God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if, he, if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for, you, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of those things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And as I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither can life, death, angels, nor demons, neither, neither, your, neither your fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above us or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing at all in all creation will be ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Golly. All right. Last one. We're going to go to Romans 14. Just make a little right. Romans 14. So Romans uh, 14, 7 through 13. Are we ready? Okay, all right. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind. Do not put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Oh, thank you so much. You guys can go be seated. Thank you. Thank you so much for reading. Um, again, these scriptures were... <coughs> I got to sneeze. Hang on. So these, these scriptures, there may have been more scriptures. I've not gone back and watched. Uh, this was just me listening to different news outlets on the day of, of the Queen's funeral. So I know there is probably more verses or more things read. I'm not sure um, if it was uh, the time frame of all of this, but these were the scriptures that I heard, and I put them down on my phone real quick as I was listening to them. And I'm telling you, as I was listening to them, I was sensing the anointing of God, the power of God, and it was kind of this thing of take note and like notice, notice, be awake, be aware of what's happening. Because again, before this happened, I've seen in, in like, I don't know, probably three to five different families over the last few months where it's been the specific thing of, of 
a mantle passing, like from, and, and God has had me in some of these families speak some prophetic words to them privately to where they came to pass very quickly and, and just watching what God is doing. And so then when I, and I've been praying about God, what does this mean? Or what are you saying, you know, to me and just trying to be open and aware and attentive to things. And then when this thing happened with the queen, with the, the funeral, I'm telling you, it was, it was just like I sensed the spirit of God speaking. And sometimes, you know, we can live in this world and we have so many immediate present struggles. Is anybody here facing any struggles, facing any things that kind of can weigh on you? Well, those things can be distractions. And sometimes we get, you know, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And so we, we miss some stuff and we don't have the attentiveness or the awareness to maybe hear what God is doing and hear what God is, is, is saying in, in some of these different things. Um, and and maybe I missed it. Maybe I'm wrong, whatever, but because I don't like over spiritualizing stuff and being cheesy, but I just really sense this. So I wrote down these scriptures and, and I was just going to pray over them and read over them myself. And then I felt like I needed to, to share this tonight. And I don't even know what to do with it. I think the Lord might show us something here in a second. But before I go further, what I want to do is just as you were reading over that at, at any one of those scriptures. So any one of the sections of scripture that we read, one, two, three, four, five, any of the five sections that we just read, was there something that stood out to you and jumped out when you were, were reading it? Let's just talk for a second. Was there, as you were reading, was there something of significance that you thought, wow, that really hit me? Can you remember what it was? And maybe, you know, yes, sir. And I'm going to bring the mic over here so everybody else can hear you and they can hear you on the recording. Which, which scripture was it? And what do you, what, you know, talk to us. If I can hold it together. Isaiah 61. And I believe that these scriptures are standing out and speaking to us right now because I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants to give us hope. Jesus Christ is the blessed hope. And he's trying to give us hope as, as Christians, as little Christ in the earth, that we would arise and shine because our light has come and the glory of the Lord wants to arise upon us. But we have to be in position because if you haven't looked around, it's getting dark. If you read the rest of that chapter, it says, darkness shall cover the earth. Gross darkness shall cover the people. But arise and shine for the light of the Lord is upon you. So it is time, I believe this is a clarion call for us to begin to rise and allow the glory of the Lord to rest upon us and shine through us. This isn't a time to sit down and complain about, oh, it's getting so dark. It's getting so dark. Did you see how dark it's getting? Did you see what was on the news? No, no, shake it off. Light, light has no part with darkness. Light is greater than darkness. The smallest match lit in a dark room lights up the whole room. This is about hope, people. You know, I thought it was I thought it got dark when Obama was president. And I and who Jesus. And I was like, God, 
And, and the Spirit of the Lord is just on me and is just stirring me and saying, Son, it's time to rise. It's time to shine. It's time to rise. It's time to shine. Wake up. Shake it off. Shake yourself from the slumber. And now I feel it even more as our wonderful president now who I honor and pray for because he needs them that we have now. And so I am sensing this clarion call right now to the body of Christ to rise up and to shine the glory of God, to be light in darkness. I mean, light belongs in darkness if you didn't know that. I mean, you know, we don't, sh we don't just gather here and let put all of our light together and hope that it's a big beacon for a Batman signal for, for Jesus to come back. That makes no sense. God didn't place a spirit inside of us for us to sit in a corner. Anyway. We could just barely hear you because you're talking so soft. <laughs> uh, but there's a real truth that you alluded to that I think is important in that is for generations. Well, how many of you, when you were raised in church, how many of you were taught real heavy about the rapture and Jesus is coming back and that was a prominent teaching? I see some hands going up. I know of pastors. I know of pastors and other people who they didn't plan for anything for later in life. They didn't plan retirement. They didn't plan for anything because they thought Jesus was coming back and they just didn't, didn't make any plans whatsoever. And so what ends up happening, like he talked about the Batman signal, like he didn't put the light in us to, to, to shine and we hide in church until Jesus comes back and takes us home. That's an escape mentality. We hide, hide away in church from the world. A us and them mentality and wait till Jesus comes and, and takes us back back home. That used to be preached with, a, a I think, a wrong focus on end times. Uh, the reality is we're supposed to be kings and priests walking out what Jesus did. So he quoted Isaiah 61 for his own walk and, and he's in us. So that's what we should be quoting for our walk. And you do read the rest of that chapter in Isaiah 61 and it's really powerful and, and about us going to be rebuilders. That once we are transformed by the anointing of the Lord and, and we have this exchange of, of, of we receive the beauty of the Lord for ashes, you know, and that ex whole exchange process, we become the planting of the Lord, oaks of righteousness, then we go, re it, what it says is we go rebuild the ruined cities. We go, re you know, we repair those things that have been, you read the rest of that chapter, it is a call for us to be light in darkness, it's a call for us to go, you know, build the kingdom of God. And that's why I say it every Sunday, go build the kingdom. Because we're not hiding in church waiting for Jesus to come take us back. We're supposed to go out into the world. So any other uh, section of scripture, I'm just real curious. We'll do this for another few minutes. If there's anything that stood out to somebody, okay, you got one? Tell us what scripture it was and then what, what jumped out to you. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. It was Romans 14, and it was verse 12. And as he was talking about the light, we're supposed to be lights. We're supposed to let our light shine. And then if you think about verse 12 where it says, so then each of us shall give an account to himself to God. 
so as we're being lights, we have to remember we're going to give an account for how bright our light was shining and or how dim it was shining or what we did for others. We give, a, we give ourselves as Christ give himself to others for our light. Yeah, and we will give an account to the Lord. We're not here to be police officers. Uh, there is, there is in, in relationship with, with in, in the family of God, there is relational accountability and the ability to go um, not bring eternal judgment, but to make judgment simply means a decision, like a verdict, a decision. And so there is, there is relational judgments. You should have discernment and you should be able to um, walk in relational judgments. Um, there should be judgment in the house of God in the sense of relational judgment, but not when it comes to bringing like end time judgment over somebody. What it's reminding us of is everyone will stand before the Lord. And, and when you sit before the Lord, everything's brought into the light and it will be tested by fire and your work will be, will, will be made clear of what sort it is. Was it of the flesh, wood, hay, and stubble? Or was it, you know, was it of, of Christ in you? Um, and, and so it's a, it's a really cool reminder. Somebody else, if you had any, any, anybody else. Yes, sir. Tell us what scripture and then. Yeah. What jumped out to me was, uh, Romans eight and it was, um, 33 through, uh, well, the rest of that chapter, but I was thinking about from the queen's perspective, you know, and it's, it's also as a believer's perspective, but so many people has judged her what she's done, what was right, what was wrong, whether her actions were justified or righteous. And this statement as a Christian, as, as you know, I'm sure she left hopefully direction to have this read, um, her righteousness comes from Christ. And so we don't, we don't have to depend on other people, you know, that relationship and, and that defines who she is in Christ and the world doesn't define that. So it's the same place we come from. And then, um, and I'm just thinking about, I don't know, was it 90 something years of a lot of, uh, for the queen, a lot of 70, was it? Well, 90 something years, in this, you know, and, and coming out of royalty and all the pulls from, you know, countries and influence and, and just disaster and, and um, corruption and anything you could think of, things we will probably never even be a part of. And um, with all that, nothing separated her. And it's, it's, very moving for me in my in my small world too because nothing separates us from the love of God and that's a huge statement that no matter how big your life is that was still number one you know very good all right yes yeah wait 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 oh, I loved your opening statement I just got so excited that you that you wanted to talk about this about because I love the monarchy I, I'm sorry I love history so um I love what Ecclesiastes uh, 3, you have 1, what is it, 1 through 17, but um, there is a time for, ev for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, and then skipping over to 11, he made everything beautiful in its time. There's so much, like you had just mentioned about, like the hatred, and I don't think there was any room for that. What an amazing woman, as a young woman. Oh my goodness, I don't know that I could have been like that. But what she dealt with her whole life, and yes, the crown is worth seeing. It's just that is, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Beautiful. Very good. 
I'm enjoying this. Somebody else? I'm not going to give you all the microphone much. So you better take it while you can get it. <laughs> okay. And share this the first part. Okay. Well, in Ecclesiastes talking about it's every for every time there is a season. And then for Isaiah talking about the actually the calling of the Lord, you know, of the Lord's ministry. And, you know, that's for us too. But John 14, we're talking about um, the comfort and uh, that, um, you know, he, he, he's there to comfort us in all these troubles. And, you know, Ecclesiastes mentions all those troubles, good and bad. And uh, Romans 8, you know, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. And then Romans 14, um, it talked about, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And I think all of those scriptures together and then in reflecting, you know, the life of the queen, um, there's a there's like a, a message to to everybody, but I think especially to rulers to take note. You know, there's there's our president. There's many rulers around the world. Would hope political leaders would be taking and notes. and we we you know, and I think you know this is this in talking about it being a shift. It's like from light to darkness. And uh, you know, we you're right. We do have to go and bring the light. It's it's up to us. But um, yet, I I see the message not only to Christians, to um, to live as an example like the queen did, but also to rulers. Yeah, I remember having a thought like, I don't remember at what point it was, but just having a thought like, I hope the, the, the politicians in the United States are just taking note and evaluating what integrity looks like. And what a, a life of service devoted. And the queen, is not, it's not like, well, I'm not trying to lift up the queen if she did everything right, because I'm not saying that. I don't mean that. But you cannot deny the integrity. You know, cannot deny it. Okay, anybody else have anything that jumped out to you and, and you're not going to be scared? You want to be able to be bold and say it and share it. Okay, so flip your page over. The other thing that they read was the what is called the Lord's Prayer, which is really, I think, in my opinion, it's the disciples' prayer because the Lord was teaching the disciples to pray this. Um, but this prayer, which you know, many people know if you were raised in church or in, in, in uh, Catholic Mass and stuff, you know the Lord's Prayer. I remember being in Sunday school and the only reason I learned the Lord's Prayer is because you got donuts every time you said it right. <laughs> and I like donuts more than I like the Lord back then. And so, um, and I was just, uh, I, so I remember saying this, and there's a lot of people, even in recovery and stuff, that will, that will recite this. But this is not something just to recite. It's good to know it. It's good to be able to say it. It's good to be able to, you know, pray it. But when you pray it, it's not about just reciting some phrases like a spelling bee where you want to get it accurate and get it right. It's about understanding the context of this. And I was weeping in my car when I heard, especially, and that British accent makes everything better. 
like more people would get saved if I could preach in a British accent. <laughs> but they were saying that all together. They were all saying the Lord's Prayer. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting in my car and it's just like this kingdom just, it was just like, wow. It was just incredible, you know. And you remember, this is, this is again cheesy. But remember that song, I don't even remember who sang it. Y'all might know who sang it. But, you know, proud to be an American. Yeah, Lee Green. Look, see, that, that's great. So when I was listening to this, it's kind of like this. It's like I was proud to be a kingdom citizen of a global, God, like it's almost like 70 years in preparation for this broadcast. And every news outlet was playing it. And some of them afterwards, you know, defaulted back to whatever and their little spins and their little whatever, but for just a window of time. Our king was so... The declarations of our king from his word was declared through the life of a queen. And that's who we should be. That's who we should be. And so we may mess this up in rhythm and in tempo, but let's try to read this out loud together. We don't need to read it fast. Let's, let's just read it um, in, in just kind of, I don't know, I don't even know what normal speed is. But um, let's, let's read the Lord's Prayer. It says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. When you understand how to break that, that verse down and you just look at it real quick and you're beginning to say, Our Father, let me tell you what happened here. Let me tell you what Jesus is doing. We look at it when at Jesus saying, like, like between me and you, like between us, like it's our Father, like we're in unity. Like this is a call to unity between brothers. But the reality is, that, that is part of it, but the main source of what Jesus is saying is not all of the disciples getting along, but there's, the biggest transition was from God to man. So what Jesus was saying is, my father is now your father. So the R part, it's Jesus is saying, you get to say R, father, with me, like, like my father is now your father, so we get to say our father. It's not the disciples saying, oh, we're all in unity. It's we are now one with God. Jesus gave us his relationship with the Father, which is radical, radical, and takes like so much faith for these disciples who, who, who to be able to say like, wait a minute, 
God is my father? Like, you want me to start praying from a perspective that I am an heir, that God is my father? They didn't pray that way. So it was, we read it as like, oh, it's the Lord's Prayer, and oh, and and for them, it was this radical thing of, of, of Jesus inviting them, elevating them up in their prayer life to say, when you approach God in prayer, he's no longer just God. He's God the Father. God, and, you're, and it's our Father. I want you to see that because a lot of people put emphasis on the, the unity between the disciples, but not the, the relational um, advancement and access and unity between Jesus and the disciples. Uh, same thing happens when, when the shepherds, when you hear the angels talk about in Christmas time, when you, when you talk about um, peace on earth and goodwill towards men, a lot of people teach that as if it's, oh, let's just all get along, goodwill towards men. That's not what he's saying. That's not what the scripture is saying. What the scripture is saying is between from God to man, there is now peace on earth. The peace of God is now on earth, and now it is goodwill towards man. What he's saying is he's announcing the covenant of peace. He's announcing Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has been born. There is now a covenant of peace between God and man. He's not talking about peace between man and man. See, that's how people take a kingdom reality and make it manly or natural. What he's saying is there is now Peace between God and man because the prince of peace, the offering, that the sacrifice that brought our peace has now been born. So, so the, the first thing in just seeing that our father in heaven is, is recognizing, I see that's what it means. That, that first line, our father in heaven, that, that, that's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. You're praying as if you were him. You're praying as if you were him. Somebody steals your identity, they get to shop in your name. <laughs> so we didn't steal the identity of, of Jesus. He gave it to us. And so we get to pray not according to what our name deserves or what our actions deserve, but we get to pray according to his name, our Father in heaven. And then you move to the second part, holy is your name. Holy is your name. It's worship. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That word will means your desire. God, your desire be done right here on earth as it already is in heaven. And what that means is when you pray that and you declare that, you need to think not just of like world peace or, or just think of you know something in a broad spectrum. You need to think of your life. You need to think of your family. You need to think of your neighborhood. You need to think of your workplace. You need to think of your community. You need to think of, of, of God, your kingdom come. Keep coming. It's a present tense. Keep coming little by little. We have your kingdom. We want to release your kingdom. Your kingdom come and keep coming and your will be done. Your desire be done in me, in my family, in my relationships, in my realm of influence. Your, your will be done. 
And so that's how you begin to, to, to pray this and see this unfolding as it already is in heaven, as it's already it's finished in heaven. I could talk more about that, but I don't have time. And then it's give us this day our daily bread. That speaks to so many things. Jesus is the living bread. And every day, just like he provided manna, every single day, you have more than enough every single day. Jesus is our, is our living bread. And so he's, our, he's what we, and matter of fact, Jesus said this, uh, he said, I have food you know not of. And he said, my food is to do the will of my father. When you're walking in the will of God, he will sustain you. There's actually an appetite. This is weird to say, but this is true. There's actually an appetite for your assignment. And when you're walking in your God-given assignment, you can be filled where you don't have to go into addiction. You don't have to go into all these false things to try to get filled because doing the will of God is filling for you. Just incredible stuff. And then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forget those who sinned against us or you know, forgive us of our sins as, as we forgive those. And notice the connection of that. It's like, Lord, the way you've forgiven us is how we've already decided to forgive others. And we just begin to declare that and, and pray that. And sometimes when you, when you prayerfully read through that, you need to stop and forgive some people. And listen, if you're going to forgive somebody, unless you and that person have already had a conversation about it, don't call them up. I've had people call, Pastor John, I forgive you. <laughs> of what? What do you forgive me? And then they tell me, and I'm like, you're going to have to forgive me again because now I'm offended. I didn't, I, you know, you, you don't have to. Now, but if it's something relationally that you both know, I actually, you know, went to somebody here this week that I, have, I had failed and, and, and went to them and, and told them, please forgive me for how I failed you. Please, please forgive me. So there's time to walk in relationship with that. But if, if this is something like, don't, you don't have to go tell them everything because it might stir stuff up. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation. That sounds confusing. Like, why would the Lord lead me into temptation? Um, that has multiple sides to it that I won't have time to fully unpack, but let me just say this. If you try to, sometimes we'd say it this way, try to be bigger than your britches. If you try to, if you get success too fast, there's a temptation. Uh, Jonas, in that song he wrote, um, gosh, I forgot the name of that song he wrote. No, the second one uh, about poverty and riches. Uh, yeah, I cast it all at you. I don't know the name of it, but he wrote this awesome song. And I remember talking to him and Jonas had said this, and he's probably not going to be thrilled. He'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so he talked about there is, there is temptations he had when he was broke and poor and had nothing, and there are certain temptations. But then he talked about a whole other kind of temptation when he actually had some money in his pocket. And there's a whole other kind of temptation. And so when you get, if you get, you know, successful and, and promoted, but you're not, if you, if you don't have the maturity and the integrity that can be a, a, a trap waiting to happen. So part of what this verse is saying is do not lead me into temptation 
it's it's what it's it's talking about I want to walk in maturity. I don't want to make this thing too fast. I don't want to I don't want to get into a place where uh, some people some people want to get up on they want a, a pulpit. They want to get up here on the pulpit. They want to get a stage. But I'm telling you right now, if you get up on a pulpit that you're not prepared for, I'm telling you there's a trap door. You get into a business you're not prepared for, you get into an office you're not prepared for, you get into a thing that you're not prepared for because you wanted a title, because you needed a position to feed your insecurity instead of being secure. A lot of people go into ministry to fill the insecurity of their lack of their identity instead of letting ministry be a reflection of their identity. And it's a dangerous thing. So that's kind of, I think, what that verse is talking about. Deliver us from the evil one. And I like how some translations say evil, but I personally like the evil one because evil has a source. The evil one. And then I love how it ends. This is worship for yours is the kingdom. It means we're not building my kingdom. And yours is the power. And yours is the glory forever and ever and ever. And I love that this is read just on the backdrop and it's publicly done around the world. For, for the, and one of the la- to my knowledge, it was the last thing that was done at the queen's funeral. To my, to my knowledge, I may have missed half of it. I may have, I don't know, but to, on the thing that I was listening to, it was the last thing that went on the broadcast. And I love how it just ends with, for yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. I just love that, that imagine if we had the highest leader in this nation, that this could be declared. And then I just put down a couple quotes from the queen. Some things the queen has said, for me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. And she's quoting scripture there because the Bible says in Hebrews that there's an anchor behind the veil. And then it says, none of us can slow the passage of time. And while we often focus on all that has changed in the, how do you say that word? Intervening years, much remains unchanged, including the gospel of Christ and his teachings. I'm so thankful to hear that, you you know, there are things that need to change. There are things that need to change in every generation. There are things that need to change, but there are things that do not need to change. And the unchangeable foundations of, of, of the word of God, it, the, and there are certain traditions of men that we need to forsake, but there are certain traditions that we need to hold on to and need the wisdom to know the difference in that. And then this last one, to what greater inspiration and counsel can we turn than to the imperishable truth to be found in this treasure house, the Bible? Could you imagine any of our presidents saying that? So here's kind of my question to you. I'm trying to figure out, I don't even know the simplest way to ask it, but here's kind of the question I would encourage you to consider about your life. What word 
will be presented at your funeral. Because I've been to funerals where everybody's talking like this joker was a saint. When he really wasn't. And I've been to the funerals and done the funerals where this person lived what they preached and their life already spoke the funeral way before I got there. So what is your life? Will the word of God, listen to this, will the word of God fit at your funeral? Or will it feel fake? Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.